Episode of No Challenges Remaining. Ben Rothenberg, joined as always by Courtney Nguyen. Hi, Courtney. It's gross. Yeah, I shouldn't do that. Sorry. Gross. How are you doing, Courtney? Before that, which the look on your face is really disapproving. I mean, now I'm nauseous, but like, which is saying a lot because I'm already sick. Yeah. So there is that. So I apologize to everybody if I sound super hacky and gross. I've landed in Melbourne and seemed to have bought Ebola to the, uh, <laughs> the continent. Don't. But seriously, one of the. the did they? Chinese, did, they, there were people in Singapore when I went through the airport who had like yeah. th- like those the thermo thing the ther- to test thermometer your temperature. where they like pointed at you. See, I was super like this whatever virus I'm carrying is was super latent, so I was perfectly fine. You saw me the day that I, I landed. I was, and then I've been struck down ever since. So maybe I already have it too and won't know for quite a while. Yeah, but your immune system is kind of freakish. It's I- a it, it, it makes me wonder if you're not an X-Man. Thank you. You're welcome. I have a pretty high tolerance for pain, which used to be a problem when I was actually a little kid because I would be apparently like really sick or injured and wouldn't mind or tell anybody and it was medically not great. Like, such as right now, when I have this like really bad sunburn that I got from being out and I'll show you off qualifying, and it really doesn't bother me that much even though it's pretty severe. It stings a little bit. My skin feels a little bit like tight, but it's fine. I get through it. Except for that everybody else keeps talking to me about it. Like, anytime anyone sees me, they're always like, oh, you've gotten some sun, haven't you? Like, oh, you look like shit. And it gets a little old really quickly. I'm talking to you, Carol Bouchard. <laughs> it, it just gets old. I get it, people. I look like a tomato, but tomatoes have feelings too. So it's just, I get it. Thank you. It's really bad, though. I know. It's, like, really bad. It makes It worries me. I feel like maybe I got sick out of like pure sympathy. <laughs> out of disgust. Out, out of, of yeah. disgust at my, my. It's very, very hideous. possible. Yeah, no, it, I got it during the first day of Australian Open qualifying. When, for the record, it was completely cloudy and drizzly the whole day. And still, I never saw the sun once, but the sun saw me. This stupid hole in the ozone here, and I'm now a lobster. So, you live and you learn. <laughs> you live and you learn. <laughs> so, on this show, what we're going <laughs> to talk about the Australian Open. Uh, draw and lead up in tournament, all of which is coming up and coming out over this exciting weekend. And let's get right to it. So, Courtney, we are here in Melbourne. All the players are here, except for the ones who played finals today. We're recording this on Saturday. Uh, everyone's ready to go for Slam of the Year. Tanks are full. What do you think so far? What's your, what's your sort of gut look on this tournament as we approach the start line? I have no idea who's going to win. I don't think I do either. I think that that's... And, and, that, and in that way, it's pretty exciting. I mean, it, I think we kind of feel this way a little bit at every Australian Open because it's the beginning of the season. You don't know, like, what form different players are in. You know, you have very little data to kind of... Uh, to use to prognosticate. And so the data all, you do have is confusing. Yeah, exactly. Times. But the weird thing is that this year, the data is kind of rock hard and solid, right? You have the lead-up tournaments. You have Federer and Sharapova winning in Brisbane. You've got Halep running the table in Shenzhen. Kvito makes the semifinals in Shenzhen. Then she goes and, you know, uh, wins Sydney. These are all pretty reliable results. Vavrinka wins Chennai. And so, you know, there's there's not a whole lot of curveball curveballing going, but it does feel incredibly wide open on both the men's and the women's sides. And I think that it's been... It feels like it's been a while since we've said that. Now it's very possible that I may have said that at some point yeah. on this podcast. In terms of both being wide open, I agree. Especially because you talk about Federer and Vover- and uh, Sharapova winning Brisbane. And those were the two biggest tournaments. There. Or I guess Sydney's equally big. But it's the week before, so it's a little harder to judge. You will pull out. Whatever. Um, but those are both the number twos. And theoretically, we have two pretty strong number ones right now. When Djokovic and Serena, uh, those aren't, you know, contended number ones. Those are undisputed number ones, really. Um, and so them not winning and having some questionable first weeks throws a little doubt into their category, uh, you know, column. So yeah, we'll, uh, and we'll then see you have how it Rafa, plays out. Yeah. And you have Rafa, who you know he's he an can X flip factor. Switch. Yeah, he's you like the it. he's like the wild card in this tournament, which is a weird status for him. And I think that it's really really interesting what he said today in his pre-tournament press, where he said, you know, um, to expect me to, you know, I'm paraphrasing, basically sit out for you know whatever months. And then go into a tournament that is not clay, yeah. and win it. 
is asking a lot. And I thought that the little, like, that's not clay caveat was kind of interesting, because obviously the implication is, no, but if it's clay, yeah, I could do that. Yeah. I could roll the table. But yeah, so so that there is that. And then he said himself that, you know, right now he can't say that he thinks that he's going to win this tournament or that he's prepared to, to win the tournament or that he's a favorite, but that if he's still doing press conferences in a week, his answer might change. And I think that that's exactly what, Completely. you know, we kind of see with Rafa, which is like, man, dude could go out first or second round and we would not be surprised. But if he tur- turns the corner and he gets into the second week, then you kind of have to like what you see there. I th- his early draw, at least the first, I don't know. It's not bad. The first two rounds are pretty good. I forget who he is first. Do you remember who he is first? Mikhail Eugenie, who's not at his best at all right now. And then he has Smechecker Saville, which is a pretty nice second round for him. And then he gets Rosol, which is a fun third round. And Rosol gets really up for this. Although, Rosol, I don't know if he's... Rosol was talked about being not here for this tournament for a while. He was someone mm-hmm. who was... Think people thought was going to be out, but not officially out for a while because his wife is expecting a kid, I guess, during this tournament. I don't know what the status on that is, if she already had it or it got postponed or whatever. Or she decided to come anyway and, you know... Make or she money. wants a really nice nursery, so exactly. you gotta, gotta go make the money. Gotta, gotta go make the fourth round by beating Rafa. Yeah. Or just show up. You yeah. got 30, 30 grand. Yeah, no, it's not bad. So, yeah, I don't know what his status is, but it's possible that's a little asterisk for his preparedness for this. Yeah, overall, could be a lot worse for Rafa draw-wise, especially with floaters like Del Pocho. And we'll get to the floaters on the women's side, which is ridiculous later on. But yeah, let's, let's just use that as a jumping-off point to get into the men's draw more thoroughly. We'll start back at the top and work our way back down to Rafa's quarter, which is the third quarter. Uh, Novak Djokovic is the top seed, as mentioned. He's won this tournament four times. It's his best place. Last year, his loss to Vavrinka was sort of a long time coming as a sort of reign over, but he still was a very, very tight match. Vavrinka played great. So I think he's sort of, he's still the king of Melbourne, I would say. Just brief reign interruption. And his draw is also pretty decent. Um, early and then possibly tough with a Ronich in the quarters, I would say, but or Monfils, if Monfils catches fire, or Del Potro, who's also in there in the quarters. Before that, I like I like Djokovic a lot in the first week, although now I'm looking at a little more, Isner has given him trouble in the past, but there's no reason to think Isner's going to be coming in here. Best of five, I think very, yeah. very different for uh, Djokovic playing Isner than yeah. in a best of three, and, and that's when, when John has gotten the best of him there. Yeah. So, Isner's, yeah, no. Isner's not great at slams, actually, really. I mean, he hasn't really had a big slam scalp in his career. He's beaten those Djokovic at Masters, and he beat Federer at Davis Cup, and he's beat, he's pushed Nadal to five. It, the wins, actually, Isner doesn't really have. So yeah. I would think pretty much Djokovic is pretty safe there. Shout out also to the qualifier in that section, uh, Laurent Locally, who I saw a bunch during qualifying this week. Dude is a huge crowd pleaser, very sort of Sangha-esque in how he ramps up the crowd and gets really into it and... I think he, he's going to be a fun one to watch if he makes it to a television court. Ronich, we haven't talked since the Brisbane second half of that tournament. Ronich was really good in Brisbane. Uh, beat some great players, even with returning pretty badly against Groth and Nishikori. Um, never breaking serve in either the quarter or semi. He made the final and pushed Federer really well. And i got to say, for me, Ronich definitely solidified his place. I would say right now, for me, tied with Nishikori as like next to breakthrough to win a slam first. Um, maybe not this slam because of how the draw worked out, but a slam, I put him right at the top of that list right now. I don't know about you. No, I mean, to me, Nishikori is still uh, an edge on okay. Raonic, mainly because Nishikori has already proven that he can do it in best of five. Yeah. And I think that, again, with these big servers, they're all great and, and, and dandy at the ATP tournaments. They pull off big wins. You know, last week, Karlovic beats Djokovic uh, in Doha. Uh, yeah, Isner's gotten wins over, over players, you know, um, but... Uh, when it comes to doing it at the majors and, and, and doing it over best of five, that's when the odds, I think, start to slip in the favor, in favor of the returner. And so, you know, I was, I was incredibly impressed with the final from Raonic. I thought that was the best level he's ever played in a single match. It was phenomenal. But you, despite saying all that, you still see the massive holes in his game. And, and, uh, so, so we'll see. So I still, I still put Nishikori, I mean, probably more than a smidge ahead okay. of Raonic, but I'm happy for Milos to prove me wrong and have a, a, a second week run in Melbourne. Overall, out of that corner, who do you see coming making the semis out of there? Djokovic? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Uh, next quarter, I think the biggest winner for the draw for the men was Vavrinka, who really has, I don't see almost any uh, plausible obstacles in his way until 
the quarter, and even then, that's Nishikori or Ferrer, who I put him as favorite over both of them pretty comfortably. As you said, he won Chennai, which he also did last year, which led into his tournament lead-up. He feels very good here. He gets pretty decent crowd support. I mean, he's somebody who people have really... He's earned their respect through a lot of his fight. Even the loss to Djokovic the first time was a big uh, changer of his sort of status here. And overall, I, I really like his chances to be in the conversation, at least at this slam. I don't know when his sort of time... In the in the top four will run out, but I don't think it's I don't think it's at least first week of this tournament. Um, I agree with you with respect to the first you know three three rounds three four rounds, um, but I I definitely give Nishikori more than a shot, and even a Ferrer more than a shot of of beating okay. I don't see him as an overwhelming favorite in that match. Um, so yeah, so so what will be so key in terms of uh, especially for Vavrinka and Nishikori is watching how their early rounds pan out. And, and are they getting on and off, you know, quickly? And obviously Stan's got a more powerful game. He can probably do that much easier than Nishikori. But, yeah, we'll see. We'll see indeed. Uh, the bottom, out of that quarter, who do you pick? Do you pick Nishikori or you pick Stan? Or who do you got? You've been high on Nishikori this whole sort of last few months. So. I have. I have. I'm going to I'm gonna go Vavrinka simply okay. because I think that that potential match between Freire and Nishikori, that could be a drainer. I can totally see... That being like a four AM finish, yeah, even, for no good reason. Even I mean, he's got a sort of a, a bit of a tiring draw in Nisha Corbin. There's some legit names in there in terms of Almagro first round. Even though Almagro's he's been injured, for, I know he's been yeah. hurt for a long time, but it's still somebody who, if he's any good, Dodd's not a he easy also second pull round. Pull the ripcord, yeah, after two games. That's also very true. So, so we'll see. We'll yeah. see what K gets. But with K, you never know when he's going to come up hurt too. So I'll pick, I'll pick Stan for that. Bottom half now is the aforementioned Nadal quarter and his early draw. Also in here is Burdich, who he's had a lot of success with in, during the recent parts of his career. Um, before that, he'd get Rosol, he'd get Gasquet. By the way, they put Gasquet on court 20 tomorrow, which really surprised me because he's usually somebody who gets pretty good crowds. Anyway, Golbus is in there. Hasn't had a great start to the year, but he's in there. He plays Kokonakis first, which could be a fun match. Almost definitely will be a fun match. Tomic is in there, too. Uh, Vesely Troitsky, who both are qualifiers who won tournaments this week. They'd play each other first round up near Burdich in that section of the draw, so not ideal for them to be two guys with both seven match winning streaks playing each other first round. Despite it all, despite all the question marks, I have to think, and Kevin Anderson is also in here as a fairly high seed at 14. Despite it all, I would have to pick Nadal out of lack of any other clear option. I think he got pretty lucky with his draw in terms of the other high seeds being in there. This is a great draw for Rafa. Yeah. To get to get into the second week, no, uh, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, I guess it. I guess it would be Rafa. Would be probably my pick. I mean, it's just it, it's just incredibly difficult to for see how his first week is going to go because you just don't know. Because he lost to he Barrer. lost to Barrer. Yeah. You know, he could very. I mean, he could lose to Eugenie. Burlo- if you lose to Bur- Barrer, you can lose to Eugenie. Right. He could lose to Eugenie. Probably won't lose to Savler Smichak. Rosal, who the heck knows? Nah, you're right. No, yeah, he's through. He's through. He's through. The only one, the Skepper is a big a big power player, but he has nowhere near consistent enough. I don't think he'll even beat Rosal. Um, and yeah, Sela and Struff is another big power player looking at his possible third rounds. Yeah, this is a great job. Maybe Kevin Anderson could give him some trouble, possibly. Oh, the irony. That would be ironic. And then, if Kevin Anderson plays gets, Thomas gets to beat Rafa, then he gets Burdich, which is just cruel, cruel fate for Kevin or Anderson a once wonderful, again. Or the Disney end to his movie. He finally beats Burdich. He finally beats Burdich and goes on to win the Australian Open. That would be nice. That wouldn't be, that wouldn't I'd be, so be fine bad. with that. Yeah. If I left here with, if I got on a plane with Anderson in the tournament, fine. I'd, I'd pay tickets for that one. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, bottom quarter now, I think it's probably the toughest quarter in terms of the seeds, at least for sure. A lot of dangerous guys. Anchored by Federer, we also have Karlovich, who started the year well. Uh, down near Federer, we have Dimitrov, Golfant, and Murray, all on that other eighth of the draw. Not an easy draw for Murray at all. Um, at least you're in the, forgetting. In the later there's rounds. also Borna Chorich. Borna Chorich, right? I'm sorry, Borna Chorich, best of his generation. Borna Chorich. That's right. Where is he? I don't and see don't him. He's down near Shardy. He could be a third round for Federer. That'd be a fun third round if he made it there. And he, he would be very well. Could Shardy's hardly a lock as a seed. Juan Monaco also near Federer is a tough possible second round if he's playing well. Randy Lou's not an easy first round, not an upset threat really, but not an easy one. Uh, Seppi in there unseated. I mean, there's some. Roger has his work cut out for him, and I think it's really good for him that he got all that match prep 
in Brisbane because if he was coming in with Nadal's prep, this would be a pretty scary draw for him, I would think. It was interesting, though, because he did say in press today that he was feeling tired. Interesting. Um, and he said the reason why is because he had played so many matches last year and because, obviously, he won so many matches mm-hmm. and was playing all these tournaments that he didn't actually get time to practice. Mm-hmm. So during the offseason, he made it, a com- it made it a point to get in the practice time and the physio time and all these sorts of things. And so he says, like, now he's, like, actually kind of, like, he's a little bit more tired, which is such, like, a fed backdoor brag on some, <laughs> you know, like, oh, I'm so exhausted because I won so many matches last year. And so in the offseason, I just decided to work even harder. Um, <laughs> and I'm so tired, but I won Brisbane, so what can you do? Uh, oops. Oops, my bad. I'm doing it wrong. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, but so it's interesting to hear that from him. Uh, but we'll be, it'll be interesting. I'm kind of really hoping for the, the Federer, uh, Murray quarterfinal, just because I want Andy Murray to get an opportunity to avenge that, uh, that, that world tour finals loss. Oh yeah. And kind of show that. The 0-1. Yeah, the 0-1 and show that he's like back in, in a way. That'd be, but, a, that'd uh, be a quick 180 if he did that. Yeah. Um, I forgot to mention, uh. Sir Swag himself is also in this quarter. How dare it is you. unbelievable, unbelievable how much attention Nick Kyrgios is getting down here. The like hype is insane, like out of control. Like all these TV promos for the tournament, almost every single one is like Nick Kyrgios, the future, and he's like, "My season starts here." Or he says it in his voice, and it wasn't at all a Kyrgios impression. Um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty tiring hearing about him down here. Not saying he doesn't deserve it, the hype. And it's hard to really say, like, he's overhyped because he did beat Nadal. But as you were saying earlier when we were talking to Courtney, I mean, he hasn't played a lot of matches. Hasn't played anything like a full schedule. He's still largely an unknown quantity, untested quantity. There are question marks about his physicality, about yeah. his fitness. Can he stay healthy? He about can't his, seem to. Yeah, about his work ethic, people work are ethic. questioned. I mean, there's it, he's a very intriguing player and a huge value add for the sport in terms of his charisma, in terms of his polarizing this in terms of his big stage presence. That's all great, but it's a lot right now. It's a lot to process, and it wouldn't be shocking for me to see him flame out. I mean, his early draw is not bad. Del Bonas and then Karlovich. It's not terrible. Robredo's not a bad third round. That's a rematch of the U.S. Open, which would be awesome. That was a great, great match. That was a tennis clinic that put was, on by Tommy that Robredo. That was one of my favorite matches of last year, for sure. Um, then you could get Federer, possibly fourth round. So all of that is pretty cool. Just be prepared. If you read any Aussie media or watch any Aussie coverage, know that you'll be hearing that name. If there's a drinking game, it's just like drink every time they say the word curious or the future of curious. Or he's if you're the watching Aussie TV, I would be right. pretty shocked if you get drunk watching ESPN. No. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> Make your own drinking game for ESPN. That, I'm sure they're out there. Yeah, exactly. But one thing I will say about curious that I was thinking about today is when we're talking about kind of like he does have a reputation for being a bit soft and, yeah. you know, not great on the work ethic and and um, all these sorts of things. I would back Curios in a heartbeat if he moved away from Australia. Interesting. If he made his training base in Europe or in Florida. the States, yeah. um, then that would, to me, show this level of commitment to his tennis as opposed to, think of it this way, if you're Nick Kyrgios and you've just spent, you know, other than that stint with the IPTL, you spent the entire, what, last one, two, three, four months in Australia. Pretty much, yeah. Hearing the hype. Like, being Soaking your own continent. In. You know, like, not a part of anything else. And just hearing it and believing it. And in that way, you know, like, you know, he's he doesn't want to make his training base in Melbourne or Sydney, right? He wanted to make it back in, in Canberra where his family is. And all these little little decisions where I'm like... Do you want to be coddled or do you want to like put it all out there and and really train? So that is something I would really like to see from Nick Kyrgios is is to pick up and move. And that said, he's 19 years old. I mean, he's still a baby. Yeah. Um. So maybe move picking up and moving is not part of his DNA quite yet. But I think it's an important move for the development of his career. For sure. And like even like Leighton Hewitt is a base in the Bahamas, yeah. which he does for tax purposes partially. But it would be a nice place for. But just get Kyrgios. out of Australia That's because fair. it's gonna it's gonna be Tomic insane. too. You see how being back here and all the problems Stozer. he's had. Stoser. Well, Stoser does train a bunch in Florida, but no, I know. But I'm saying yeah. like being away from all the discussion back home. Yeah. Actually, weirdly keeps them grounded. Yeah. Which is saying a lot about Tomic, but it, he is probably more grounded. Living in Monaco yeah. than if he lived, you know, in uh, in Gold Coast. That's for sure. 
for sure, for sure. Um, it's going to be interesting with the Australian men in general. I mean, Jordan Thompson's in this tournament, too. He's had some good results at Kuyong, which I take with it. Enormous shaker of salt, anything that happens in Kuyong. Kokonakis is playing Golvis first. That's a pretty, Love Kokonakis. That's a pretty sexy upset pick for first round, I would have to say. Um, I then, just think he's great. Yeah. I I'm not saying that he's like better than Kyrgios, but I love the balance of his game. He can do it all. Yeah, he's pretty. I would, I would, if in the sweepstakes, if, if they had to pick right now, I might pick Kalkanakis. So you would buy Kalkanakis' sock? I would. I would. We'll get to that later, but I, I would. Um, so that's our basic shake. And then also, in terms of younger guys, Omar Chasika, I never know how to pronounce his name. Everyone says it differently. Um, he made the third round of qualies here. He played with Rafa in the. Fast four thing. Quick sidebar on fast four, Courtney. We've been getting it shoved down our throat so hard, and I don't like it. I, I just don't like the the, the, sell, the aggressive selling of fast four, which is an exhibition gimmick that doesn't have any relevance to the but pro tour. I don't tour. really care. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't really care how they want to run their exos. That's all great and fine and dandy. But why is anybody attempting to... Why is anybody, for example, asking Roger Federer so and Leighton Hewitt, so do you think there's a future in pro tennis with this fast-forward format? Seriously? Don't ask that question. No. There are better Period. things to ask End of Federer. Sentence. If you're in front of Federer, find a better yeah, question. Yeah, if you have five minutes with Federer, ask him, you know, like, that is not a question you should be asking. Yeah. But whatever. So there you go. We've just been hearing a lot of that, even though probably outside of Australia there hasn't been that much in here. It's, it's a different... I mean, this really is, you know, as far as places to be in the world, it really is sort of, once you're here, you're very much in here, and it's... You feel isolated an, and disconnected isolated from the rest of the world. You do. Not in the same time zone as everybody. The, everything's pretty... It's an, it's an island on, in the, on the other side of the world and kind of middle of nowhere in big terms global, so... It's interesting. Um, okay, those are our semi-picks. We pretty much have top four seeds, I think. we. Did, might... Who did you pick bottom quarter? Oh, sorry, I picked Federer. Are you picking Murray? Or Federer? Federer. Yeah, so we, <laughs> she says with a sigh. Um, so we have big four. Courtney, who do you see winning? Not big four, sorry. Uh, top four seeds, because our rank is not big four, quote-unquote. Who do you see winning the Australian Open? Who do you see your final? Who do you see winning? I'm picking Novak. Now, let me just say... That this is based on who I would back with my money okay. if I were to bet. And it seems to obviously me picking the number one player and four-time champion at the tournament seems to undermine my previous comment that this feels really wide open. Yeah. But it does feel really wide open. I'm not picking him like confidently like this is going to happen. You know, and obviously I think both you and I put through the favorites out of, out of these quarters. Um, yeah. But I think that it's going to be a pretty crazy first week. And I think that there will be some massive upsets. I just, you know, picking where they come from is just flipping a coin. Yeah. Because they're not going to be based, you're not going to be able to actually guess with any, uh, you know, supporting evidence where one of these upsets might go. Right. So um, so that's how I pick it. But I'm going to go with Novak. Uh, it's a tough one for me, and it kind of all hinges on Nadal. Because Nadal, of the four people, well, I guess, I think... Nisha Corey gets kind of a coin flip. It doesn't really matter, honestly, for big picture who gets out of there, because I don't think either one of them is going to win the tournament. Nadal, I don't see anybody beating him, but at the same time, he's the least likely to get... He's not that likely to get there, but if he does get there, then he beats Federer, because he always beats Federer, and so I would want to pick Federer, unless Nadal gets there. That's, that's, that's like, I don't have, want to have a caveat. I'll say Federer is my pick overall. I was super, super impressed by Brisbane. What he did to Grigor Dimitrov was just brutal. I mean, he just, like, emasculated the kid, essentially. He was almost beating him in less than, in like, 45 minutes in straight sets. And so, if he can summon anywhere near that form in Melbourne, I think he can beat anybody. I guess Gimpy Nadal included, but if Nadal makes it to the semis, he'll be in good shape, and he'll be full of confidence and match readiness then. So, I'll pick Federer with the... <laughs> Asterisk that I make completely avoid that pick if Nadal makes the semis, but I don't think Nadal will. I'll pick Federer. How much do you? So do you not buy into the? Because this is what I buy into, and this is what I do think that, regardless of how well Federer plays in 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 ATP level tournaments, that best of five makes a difference. That that over the course of the best of five format in two weeks, that he's shown repeatedly that that it's that physically he has issues. No, I don't see that as much, honestly. Mm, okay. I, I, I don't think that was really the issue that I can think of on top of my head. He anytime, fatigued at anytime, Wimbledon. Anytime less. He was in the fifth set of the final at Wimbledon. Novak wasn't fatiguing. 
Okay, I mean, if you if you fatigue that late in the game, I think that's just about playing. I'm just saying. I, you know, yeah. like at the, I at the French. As, I don't read that as fatigue. At the French? The French, I don't think he was honestly, like, really selling out for the French. I think the French he wasn't putting that many chips on the table for. And Golbus played well. That was also five sets. Um, but he, that's what I'm saying. I don't think he lost that match because Golbus was physically better. I think Golbus was just playing I'm not better. saying that there's cause and effect, but that it is a factor that goes into it. No, nah, that's not how I read it. I don't think that was okay. the situation with Chilich either. I think Chilich just sort of zoned and... Chillage zoned for court. sure. Chillage zoned for sure. I don't think that there was an issue there, but um, read it differently. Yeah. If you guys have opinions on Federer's fitness, uh, best of five, whatever, let us know. But those are our picks for now. And I think a Feder, I pick a Federer Djokovic final, and I think that'd be very, very cool because it's one of the better matchups in the big four Agreed. for sure. So that's my hope, ladies. Serena Williams, top seed. Serena Williams can lose in her bone ranking here if she goes out early and Sharapova, I think, has to make the final now based on what happened elsewhere. Um, really? I think She so. can't just make the semis? Um, what changed? There's just, okay, there's a stupid thing with the rankings this week where, I think this is right, and I'm sure this will come out, so this won't well, be the final word on this. But I'll just her, say the WTA sent a note that said it was semifinals. Oh, yeah? Yes. Okay, well, that's that's probably fair. Although, I will say, just for just a general point, the rankings this year are janky, because everything comes off a week earlier, so Sharapova will lose her Paris indoors points during the Australian Open, which is just dumb. They should have fixed that. That's ridiculous. Um, but anyway, know that it's in, up for grabs, anyway, number one this week. Um, I think Kvitova also has an outside shot at as it as well. Hallett. As does Hallett. So, there we go. The most interesting thing is that if Sharapova and Serena play in the final, the winner is number one. That's oh, pretty great. Oh, the things dreams are made of. <laughs> um, Serena Williams has a pretty decent early draw, because sort of the eighth of the draw below her is a nightmare. Um, but early on, she has Muguruza or Yankovic in the fourth round, both of whom have beaten her at slams before. Svitolina in the third round is playing well in Brisbane, but I'm not sure she's ever done anything like beat a Serena at a slam. With her question marks, I think this is a very good start for her against Vanoitvank and a rust-covered Svanareva and Jabor, who's not a big uh, known quantity at all, even though they are both more Togluites, so Serena might know her, actually. Thoughts on Serena's draw and how you see her shaping up, and also what she was saying today and basically all the uncertainties. Talk Serena for me for a while. I mean, it's... it's Well, Serena said that she was more com- more confident last year yeah. going to this tournament than she she is this year going into it, my, primarily because of um, her preparation and a and, uh, bit up, of up and down play in uh, Perth, which she was not pleased with at all. She says she's practicing and feeling much better now than she did when she landed. Um, and then there, also, there is also the other variable of Sasha, her longtime hitting partner, yeah. not being here, which, you know, she says that it's because he's injured. That's what she says. Uh, but yeah, so we don't really know what the situation is and, and how that's going to all, how everything just, you know, not playing great in Perth, kind of a bit of a shakeup in the team for at least this tournament, how it's all going to impact her. So uh, I have, I have concerns over, yeah. over her ability to, to win this tournament, not based on talent, but just better, just obviously based on whether or not she can bring it. And, and what is really interesting and obviously we'll talk about this a little bit more in depth, is, is that the bottom portion of her quarter, which is an absolute cluster with Caroline and Sloan and Azarenka, as much as we focus on that cluster being just absolutely terrible for those players, at the same time, especially with respect to Caroline and Vika, I do think that whoever gets out of that cluster has a damn good shot of getting to the final, um, just because you don't know which Serena is going to show up in that second stage, the second half, although if she gets a few wins under her, yeah. You know, you, you have to think that history tells you she'll be all right. So it'd be pretty shocking to see her lose to anybody early, but Svitolina. There you go. So you heard you heard it sing song there first. Uh, yeah, On as far as Sasha goes, I think that's a big, big change for Serena. I mean, Sasha, as anyone who's seen the Serena and Venus documentary, just sort of knows about her, read the several features about him that various people have written. I know Doug Robson did one And knows the players. Knows He's an amazing players, scout. Is a very good scout and just sort of an emotional rock because everyone knows Serena can be sort of all over the place emotionally, and he's been her rock over the last several years, predating Patrick and everything. The The reasons why he's not here, I don't know what to think on that. When I talked to Patrick, he essentially said, uh, I don't know, I think he's injured or something, 
which was not a super convincing way to say that yeah. because obviously Patrick does know what up, what's up. He can't possibly. I be mean, Serena is, hitting, is here with a hitting partner that Patrick brought in that she didn't even know his last name. In fairness, his last name is confusing because it's Dasnier de Vigy, which is a lot of last oh, well, names for fair, one person. Fair enough. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, definitely that's a change for her. Uh, do I think she makes it out of here? Yes, but you never know because she did lose to Cornet three times last year. That should never happen. So, Serena, you can never say it's a lock anywhere. And Cornet, look at that. Possible fourth uh, quarterfinal match. Yeah, so if, if Cornet can make it past the, the, the star-studded second eighth of the draw... Let's go to that part briefly, because when the draw first came out, they put the unseated in there first, and there were two names everybody was looking for, at least I was looking for, were Azarenka, firstly, and then Stevens. And so I found Azarenka, and then I immediately found Stevens, because she was right next to Azarenka, and it was pretty hilarious. I started laughing. I'm not going to say there was a gasp because in the crowd, because no one is really as geeky about the women's slam draw. Especially the unseated. Especially the unseated, as like Ben and I are, but we kind of did both turn to each other. We're like, ah! Mouths agape. Yeah. So there was a gapeness, and then we saw, and then I saw, and then when Caroline got put there too, it was just tremendous. Uh, so let's talk about Sloane Azarenka first. Sloane and Azarenka are playing for the third straight year at the Australian Open. They played in the 2012, sorry, the 2013 semis, the 2014 fourth round, and Azarenka won both those easily. Um, the sort of lowering rounds show their sort of demise mm-hmm. of their slide. Now they're playing first round. It's all very meta. And microcosmic and all that stuff. I, I assume that Azarenka is going to win this one again, just because he's, she's owned Sloane, and Sloane has not been good this year. Who'd she lose to in Obart? She lost to Heather Watson. She got killed three and one, and then Heather won the tournament. Who'd she lose to in Auckland? Lauren Davis. That's right, in three sets. Yeah. Oof. So, I mean, Sloane is not at her best at all right now. Can't be said. She's working with Nick Saviano. No real results from that yet. Maybe they'll at least coach her up for Azarenka differently because she kind of didn't go in there with a great game plan either the other times. We'll see there's room but for there's improvement. But there's also concerns. There's also injury concerns with Sloane as well, so it's unclear whether or not she'll even be able to play her best tennis, which is what she'll need to do uh, in order to beat Vika. But here's my question to you, Ben. Who got screwed harder with this draw, Vika or Caroline? Caroline. Why? Because Vika relatively isn't unseated and doesn't have the right to expect a good draw. Caroline is a number eight seed, made the last Grand Slam final, is entitled to a relatively relatively soft cushion, doesn't deserve somebody who's won two of the last three times in the second round. I mean, it reminds me a lot of 2010 when Justin Enning came in unseated and got Dementia second round, when Dementia was number four, I think, and had just won Sydney the week before and was really coming in with a lot of maybe-this-is-her-time type hype, and then she hit a wall. And that was a great match, the Henning Dementia second round match. It was... Six and six, I think, for Hennen, and it was... But it sucked for Dementia, but it came so early. So I think it always, always hurts the seed in this situation. On Azarenka, a brief discussion of what happened with her last week in Sydney, where she didn't get the wild card. Your thoughts on that, and if you can give a little background on how that, as far as we know, shook out. I don't know how it shook out behind the scenes. I just know that apparently she requested a wild card into Sydney. Sydney said no and issued wild cards to Daria Gavrilova and Yarmila Gaidasova instead. Now, speculation, did they already, quote-unquote, give those wild cards to to, to Gaidasova and, and Gavrilova before uh, Vika made her request and didn't felt bad and didn't want to, like, effectively withdraw them, even though they hadn't made the formal announcement? Like, so obviously they could have changed it up. Was there a request for appearance fee money? that was made that that Sydney didn't want to own up to I have absolutely no idea um but uh but you have to think in the big scheme of things um pretty messed up to not give a player who has played so well in Australia made Brisbane finals last year has won Sydney before only 2 years ago yeah yeah to 3 not, years ago 2012 to not give a, a a wild card while she's preparing for uh, the Australian Open. So that was that was definitely surprising. I mean, Azarenka is a textbook of, in spirit, what Wildgard is supposed to be for. Like, a champion of the game who's coming back from an injury. and Like, Leighton Hewitt's got these kind of wild cards for his entire career, or at least the last seven years or whatever. Um, so she would seem like that. Maybe, I mean, obviously, Azarenka is not a crowd favorite. She probably wasn't going to be box office as much as a Hewitt would be in Australia or even elsewhere. Well, yeah, it was surprising to see her not get that, and didn't get one in Hobart either, but that apparently because she was late to that one. I'm guessing she asked for Sydney first, obviously, So, and who knows how late she asked for Sydney, it wasn't entirely clear. 
on that and yeah, either. And like, she, and that's she, the thing. She might not have done it right as soon as she lost in Brisbane. And that's the thing. Like, I was saying, I don't, I have no clue about what happened behind the scenes no. um, at all. So it could have been, who knows? It could have been a fumble on her part. It could have been, you know. Mutual fumble. M- mutual fumble. It could have been a misunderstanding. I, I have no I have no clue. There we so. go. So the second quarter of the, oh, pick for the top quarter, Courtney. Hmm. <laughs> Picking Caroline Wozniacki. Oh, boy! Yeah. Are you like guys, I said. Do you I, see her beating Serena, or do you see her playing somebody else? I see her beating Serena. There you go. I think that there's a part of me that just thinks that this would be, you know, I love a good story. Um, just the perfect story of just, like, being given just a shitty-ass draw and having to, to work through it and to almost have people write off your chances in some way um, just because of the draw that you've been given. Uh, and then to go through, finally break that duck against Serena, and then get through, and then on the other side, she can beat everybody on the other side. We've seen it. So, yeah. especially a Maria, who she now owns uh, the last, what, two, 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 two matches? So, I like that. I, 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 it's a pretty, it's a tough story to reject for me. For me, what I see standing in her way, I see her getting through the Azarenka Sloan and Taylor Townsend first round, by the way, cluster. Mm-hmm. I see her, after all of that, getting stopped by the Beezus. Oh, Beezus. Beezus third round. Beezus walks. Yeah. yeah. Beezus is great. I really want to make some Beezus. If I have enough video archive footage, or if anyone does, and make it to some song on Yeezus or something like Black Skinhead or whatever, and just have Beezus being Beezus on it. I would watch that. It would even just a vine of it would be plenty. Consider this a a, a bat signal to the internet. You came Please. through the last time with, with that with the Henan. You know, with the is there acing Henan? Thank you yeah. so much for making that listener whose name I'm blanking on right now. But you are awesome. Know that you know who you are. Yes, um, that would be great. So I pick Serena just because it's too unknown to make it out of that quarter. I can't say with sorry without make out of that cluster. Can't pick any of them with confidence. And I think Serena will be different than Exo, Rena, and Hopman. I don't think what happens at Hopman matters in Melbourne, really. Van Ortvink isn't going to trouble her. Zvonareva and Jabor aren't going to trouble her. Uh, Svitolina, by then, if she's healthy, she'll be ready. And I see her getting through the quarter. Fair logic. Next quarter features Petra Kvitova as the high seed. Petra Kvitova coming off a Sydney title this week. Um, and some interesting other names in here. Sam Stoser, who obviously has <laughs> well-documented Australia issues. Bam Bam. Bam Bam Sam. New on Twitter. Bam Bam Sam 30. Casey Delacqua, who is a resurging Aussie. Made fourth round here last year. It would be uh, could have his potential third-round match. Also Madison Keys in there, who's with Lindsay Davenport. Looking to get something started with that coaching partnership. Uh, also in this section... Near Soser. Soser plays Nicolescu first, which is just an amusing first round because with all of Sam's anguish in Melbourne, the most agonizing player in terms of making you feel bad about yourself you could possibly play would probably be Nicolescu. So that's just cruel as a draw. Uh, Brengel, Hobart finalists in there against Petkovic first. Neither of them I would really think would be long-term favorites this tournament. And the lower part has Venus, who won Auckland since we last spoke. Uh, who has a pretty good draw early on against Panetta, who's one of the weaker top 16 seeds for sure, and then A, Redwanska likely in the fourth round. If she makes it that far, caveat, obviously, Venus has not made it that far in a Grand Slam, since diagnosed with Sjogren's Syndrome in 2011. Courtney, what do you see coming out of the bottom quarter? I definitely see Venus making second week. Okay. Um, that I'm, I'm going to go ahead and back. Because uh, it's a good draw. Because it's a very good draw um, to get her there. So that's pretty good. Um, and I liked how she played in, in, in Auckland. I thought that... Um, she was within herself. Yeah, right? it didn't look like she was overplaying, you know. And, and then when she got down against Caroline, she just stuck, stuck with it uh, in the final and, and pulled that off in a three-set win. So, yeah, I like, I like what's going on there. So I'll add the one person who I could see derailing Venus, potentially. And what would be a hot mess of a match would be Georgie, if Georgie yeah. catches fire. Georgie's a good slam player, so that could be tough if yep. she gets that in third For round. For sure. That would be some, some, some bashing in that match. So, yeah, so I like Venus getting out of that into the second week. Uh, from there, you know, her and Radvanska, that's a pick match to me, simply because, uh, who knows, with Aga sometimes. I have to pick Aga in that match. I think yeah, Aga, no, I mean, the, yeah. you know, I do pick Aga, but I'm just kind of like, I don't know. Like Aga could also lose Lepchenko, theoretically. I'm surprised yeah. to see Lepchenko seated. I didn't realize she'd moved up quite that high. Number three American. Um, but she has. She is the number 30 seed here. 
Um, and yeah, she played well, made semis of Brisbane, pushed on a pretty well in that semi. And yeah, she's someone to watch as a potential spoiler in that section. Could I mean, I could see theoretically Lubchenco sneaking away with a quarter here, theoretically. I could, I, not that she will, but it wouldn't completely stun me because her early rounds are pretty good. And Do you think she'll smile if that happens? I hope so. She's so serious. There, I have to say, I mean, having watched her, you know, sitting, having sit, sat through the night watching her Brisbane run, and it was a great run. Yeah. There, she is definitely in that small group of five players who just seems joyless on the court. Yeah. He just, and that, I'm always like, you know, not like smile, but just like, look like you're enjoying it. It, it just looks like a chore. Yeah. She's very, it's just the way some people are programmed about it. Um, yeah. So there you go. Um, so Kvitova's obviously in the top section. Who do you see making it out of this quarter, Courtney? I really like Petra. Yeah. Coming out of it, I really hope it's a Petra. Well, not really hope, because I really do want Aga to do well. But I would not mind seeing another Venus Petra match. That'd be good. Wimbledon um, was amazing. Although they played a lot of good matches in their career, actually. They have. They've played some some great matches, so I wouldn't mind seeing another rematch there. But yeah, no, I have I have Kvitova into the semis. I am going to take Kvitova as well, but I wouldn't discount Radvanska. I would pick Radvanska over Venus if and when they play. Uh, she's played beaten her quite a few times during this Venus recent incarnation. And just she knows how to sort of work around Venus well. Most recently, I think in the Montreal final, even though Venus was obviously fatigued there. Um, yeah, I would pick Aga in that match. But overall, Kvitova, assuming the weather doesn't sap it's her not energy, supposed not to be supposed, crazy supposed hot. to be really nice. Yeah. yeah. So, so there you go. But at the same time, Petra, remember your sunscreen. Yeah. Um, bottom half, Ana uh, Ivanovic is here as a top five seed. Who would have thought we'd see that again? Um, Simona Halep is also in here too at number three, and then the rest of this section is pretty open except for Karolina Pliskova, who's been sort of the resurgent, the big story of 2015 in terms of players emerging, I think, is Pliskova really putting herself in the conversation. She would be a possible fourth round for Anna if she gets past Makarova. And beat her already at a, at a major, Karolina Pliskova. That's so. right, last year at the US Open, most recent major. So, Courtney, who you got? Out of this quarter? Yeah. Or break it down and then say who you got. I have Halep out of this quarter. Why? Why do I have Halep? Wasn't great at, at all at the slams. I could see her absolutely uh, going out to to uh, to a Benchich. Okay. To a Pliskova. Radechka Mac- played pretty well in qualities today. She killed Poots. Mm-hmm. Radechka, Makarova, lefty. Yeah. On a, on a, not always awesome against lefties. So, so it's not a completely straightforward draw for her. Um, to get out of there. Halep, meanwhile, much more kind of balanced. She's got Knapp in the first round, could play the winner of Gaidasova, Dolgaru, Winnable. These are, like, players that she just knows how to beat. Yeah. You know, Alisiki. Alisiki, she killed at Wimbledon. Yeah, it's not even funny. It's 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 embarrassing. Uh, Arani, <laughs> not not going to be an issue. Uh, Pavlyuchenkova, I mean, that's, like, a pretty sweet early first week draw. So, yeah. And then if you put a Halep against Ivanovic, I, I got to go Halep there. So, yeah, I got Halep into the semis. There you go. Halep-Ivanovic would be a rematch of their much-talked-about, not actually that interesting, but much-talked-about uh, Singapore. Should have thrown there. it, Simona. So there you go. At least you can throw this one, which is not the right play. <laughs> no, no, no. So, done it wrong. Done so it wrong. your pick is Halep. I will pick... Ooh, it's tough. I think Halep-Ivanovic is kind of a coin flip if they meet, because I think, really, Anna's played really well, and it's really just at ease, really seems at peace with the world, and happy, and relaxed in a way we haven't seen. Um, just to sort of be different, I'll pick Ivanovic, because it's close, so why not? Let's disagree. Final quarter features Maria Sharapova, Brisbane champion, number two. Uh, also in there, Jeannie Bouchard, last year's semifinalist. Uh, some other names in there, some interesting other seeds. Kerber, Safarova, Pung, Kuznetsova, Suarez, Navarro, all players who I think can Zarina give... Zarina Diaz. Zarina Diaz. Sorry about that. Zarina Diaz, who was in qualies last year, let's remember. She's had an incredible 12 months, pretty under the radar. Good for her. Um, overall, Caroline Garcia is also in here as a dangerous, flutterish person. It's Kuznetsova. That's a good first-round match. Um, overall, I think those are players, though, who give tough fights but don't beat anybody. I think it will be a Genie Pova quarter, which will be fun. Their French Open match was great. 
and I will pick Pova pretty confidently. Yeah, I, that's probably the easiest call for me out of all four quarters is is Pova through. Um, I think Bouchard definitely lucked out with the draw. I think she got a pretty nice-looking draw for somebody who's trying to defend semifinal points. Um, opens up against Annalita Friedzum, plays winner of Burton's Gavrilova, although who knows? Gavrilova's played pretty well. Yeah, I was going to say, who knows? Maybe here. Gavrilova, you know, steps up in that one. Gavrilova actually two years ago beat Jeannie in Australian Open qualifying. Yes, I remember that. Which is showing how far Jeannie's come so yeah, quickly. Yeah, That was only two sure. years ago. Then uh, after that, I mean, she got, she has like uh, Kuznetsova possibly, although Garcia is also in there, but... You know, who knows with, with uh, Sveta. But, you know, generally speaking, it's a pretty nice first week for Jeannie, um, I think. So So that will hopefully kind of settle her nerves. And, you know, this is the first time that she's got to go and defend a, mass, a massive result. So it'll be interesting to see how she responds to that. And how the Jeannie army is and what kind of stuff animals she gets this year. Ugh. At least they don't have to fly anywhere this Ugh. time. Get ready for Jeannie army. They were already being mentioned in, in, you know, teasers I saw for tomorrow. She's playing a night match tomorrow. No, uh... She's playing a, a match tomorrow on one of the big courts. So, by the way, speaking of big courts here, this year there's a roof on Margaret Court. Our court's totally redone. And Margaret Court looks, at least from day one, like it's going to be the preferred court um, in terms of prominence and placement over High Sense, which is a rare reversal of Slam to see court sort of switch order. I can't remember really that ever happening. Well, and also the, the biggest question that I have with that is that I don't, if you're High Sense, I mean the company, you're not okay with that. There has to be something in that contract that protects against that. You can't promote a second, another court ahead of yours. Yeah, Hisense is out being as as very few or possibly no reserved seats this year. It's being treated as an open court for the public, which was not how it was before. It used to be ticketed one court. of those separate ticketed courts. Um, and some there's just some not marquee matches in there this year. Me, like no Mar- one's even mentioned Hisense yeah. like the entire time that like you know. Yeah. So. So if they if they're looking to get rid of Hisense, that'd be fine. Hisense is not oh, a great arena. They should blow it up. Don't don't cry don't cry over Hisense um, being discarded as arguably the worst quarter to slam. Arguably, I don't think it's even arguable. Yeah. Hands down. Mm, let me think about that. Yeah, I don't have nothing. Hands else. down. I have Hands down. Else. It is repugnant. It is a it is it is a court that like if a mat a match has to be damn good for me to hike over there and sit in that breezy, cold, ill lit warehouse. Warehouse, yeah, it is, it does feel like a warehouse. It's just terrible. It's not a good court at all. No, and the stands are pretty far from the court for how it yeah, is the worst. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. So yeah, won't miss you high sense if they if that's their next project to to blow that up and start over and build something nice because I fully Rod Laver that. and otherwise this this tournament has some really good sort of next tier courts. Mark Court's great. I haven't been in the indoor version of it yet, but I hear good things. The old version was great. Good. Show court two, show court three are both great. Show court three I actually yeah, really really, really, really like, three. and I think two is pretty much the same. Um, court six is actually pretty bad. Um, court. Eights. Anyway, you don't need to get too much into these, but in general, a lot of the outer stadiums are pretty good here. Um, yeah, high sense is not that. So we have our semifinals on the women's side. Who you got going through with yours? You have Wozniacki and Kvitova. Who you have winning that? Man, see, this is what sucks, right? It's like <laughs> you put together kind of like, oh, yeah, no, I could totally see Caroline going through and winning the whole thing. And then when you actually sketch it all out, you're like, oh, Caroline versus Petra, what to say? Um, crap. <laughs> because I also really like the whole, like, Petra finally wins the Australian Open thing because she wants us to win this tournament so bad, just like Lee Nong. <laughs> And they are pretty much the same person as we've established. Exactly. They look identical. Ah, oh, I'll pick Petra to win that one. So... And then in your bottom half, you have... Um, Halle, Halle Pova. and Pova. Pova. Okay, and then Petra, Petra Pova final? See, again, I'm just totally going to undermine the reason why I picked Petra and pick Pova. <laughs> okay, so you have Pova winning. I have Pova winning. I, but as you can probably tell, I am not confident about this at all. <laughs> I have Pova winning, and I'm more confident about it than you are. Um, I have Pova beating Ivanovic in the semis. It's a secretly great rivalry. Courtney, I wasn't in Is Pova's... it a secret? Is it a secret? It's okay. It's getting it's an emerging recognized great rivalry. Courtney, can you explain what you and others perceived as some, some recent shade today from Maria Sharapova, who seems to be casting quite a lot in Anna's direction? Not always at her bicep, but sometimes. 
I mean, it's all... If you were in the room, maybe you saw it, maybe you didn't, maybe she meant to do it, maybe she wasn't. Because the thing that's so great about Maria Sharapova is that when she throws shade, she ain't wrong. Like, she she does it, like, using... She picks her spots. Facts that are kind of indisputable. So she was talking about IPTL, and she was saying, yeah, I mean, it was fun, I'm glad that I did it, um... You know, I mean, the other players were just taking it really seriously. And I arrived, like, you know, having, like, no practice. And just the way that she was saying it, and for those of you who don't know, Anna beat her at the IPTL. Mm. So, yeah, it was kind of one of those things where it's like, that match, that loss doesn't matter. Like, that's nothing, because I wasn't even trying. And then later on in the press conference, when she was talking about, like, what was her favorite Australian Open memory, she mentioned the final, Mm -hmm. obviously, in 2008. And she said... Uh, I mean, I didn't even play that great or something like that, which is, again, true. But, again, you don't have to say certain things. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. she can just say, yeah, I mean, it was a really, you know, it was a really great match. And it's just, that was the time that I won. And, you know, it would always be really memorable. But to actually decide to throw in, I didn't even play that great. It's tremendous. It's I great. love all of that. So there you go. In terms of my picks, I pick Pova. Just in general, before the term draw even came out, I thought Pova was the safe pick. Not over Serena, head-to-head. Once again, like Roger Nadal. She, Pova cannot beat Serena if Serena makes the final. Agreed. I mean, it'll be 2007 all over again. It won't be pretty. However, I think Pova's a lot more likely than Serena to make the final. I think she's the much steadier player right now. And I think more can go wrong with Serena. So if I had to pick... I would pick right now, and I don't really see this happening, but it's just kind of having picks it to work out. I would see Kvitova over Serena in the semis, and then Maria over Petra in the finals. So we have the same final, I guess, theoretically, but yeah. in general, I see Serena finding some way not to make the final. In terms of, and I've picked Serena at all four slams last year, but in terms of Serena against the field this time, I'm just not feeling it with all the question marks. This is not, she needs some time to get her self-combobulated, and I don't think she's quite ready yet. But once again... She's proved people wrong so many times, exactly. especially she, in Australia. She, like, in Serena. Especially in Australia, when she's been in her like worst on paper, being ranked 81 in the world in 2007, even 05, and she was really down and out after a pretty disappointing 04 when she lost to Pova, obviously, a couple of times in big matches. Um, she came back and won both those years. So, is this her time again? We, we will, we're going to see. We're going to see. So the reason I got so sunburned is that I was out running around the qualifying courts snapping photos with my rented camera. Sidebar, if you're ever going to a tournament and think you want to take photos but don't have a great camera, rent a camera. It's not that expensive, and it's kind of fun. You can get some pretty good cameras. I think down in Australia, it wound up being something like $30 a day for a really nice camera, which is so much cheaper than buying one yourself. Most big cities will have camera rental places, even though it's something a lot of people don't know is an option anyway my side endorsement for that. I was doing that because uh, I started a new fantasy tennis game website called Racket Rally with Jeff Sackman, who is the creator of Tennis Abstract, which is a great, great online tennis database of data and stats, harvesting and all that stuff. And so we've opened it up to uh, making a sort of fantasy tennis game, which is a little bit stock market based, but not quite. Um, You pick players, each has a different price based on their ranking, and you win points when they win matches and you can buy multiple shares of uh players and those points are multiplied pick up to 20 players anyone in the atp wta top 300s so now i know what like all these random people look like even like jules marie who was an alternate in australia nothing qualifying didn't even play i saw him wandering around i think he was one of the ones who just missed the cut but came anyway and i saw him wandering around i was like hey jules can i get a photo of you because i knew i didn't have him and he was like uh, sure and yeah, some most players were, every player agreed to take a photo. Some were more confused than others, especially Andre Kuznetsov. Um, but yeah, they're just surprised to be recognized. I don't think Andre Kuznetsov gets stopped and called by his first name very often. That's very true. Yeah, so I hopefully I made his day, or at least confused him for a while. And yeah, people should join and look at the photos, which were contributed by a lot of um, very generous, nice photographer fan people, including our friend Steph, uh, Beth, who does Doll News. Uh, Chris Levy, a lot of other people were awesome. So we have photos of over 500 different players, which is more than the tours have. I saw WTA people were looking at the site being like, oh, that's what Denisa Alertova looks like today. Uh, So yeah, in general, if you want to do that, play the game. We have our own league for no challenges remaining. 
uh, call no challenges remaining for listeners. Uh, it's got about 30 people in it already as of last I checked. So join. It should be fun. Yay. The URL is racketrally.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at racketrally. Racketrally with a K. Check it out. Now we're going to finish with our rants and raves segment, upside down for down under purposes. Courtney, what are you ranting and raving about here? Every day when I walk down to the tram, you get this pick up the free tram shuttle thing uh, to the site. Mm-hmm. I walk past at least two McDonald's uh-huh. on Swanston Street. Yeah. Now the McDonald's here, they call them Maccas. 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 M-A-C-C-A apostrophe S. Maccas. Not only do they call it that colloquially, it's but they the actually signs. say that on the sign. Like you'll see like a sign, one sign that says McDonald's, and then, but then the one that's like right in front of the store like that you walk under says Maccas, which I think is a bit aggressive, but so it goes. Anyways, the McDonald's here, maybe this happens in the States. I don't know. I hope this doesn't happen in France. Could, good God, would they get mad. But the McDonald's here in Australia... Sell macarons. Ambitious McDonald's. Ambitious. Ambitious. But yeah, so they sell like macarons, right? Those little cookies that are French and delicate and whatnot. The ones that are kind of like the sandwichy looking ones, not yep. the ones that The are ones the that look like ones. little little tiny hamburgers, but like green and, you know what I mean? They look like little buns, little hamburger okay. buns. Okay, I wouldn't have said hamburger, but I know what you yeah, mean. Yeah, sure. it looks like okay. a little hamburger bun. Anyways. I would say more so bagel sandwich. What I don't understand, currently they're having a special on these macarons. <laughs> What I don't understand is you're called Maccas and you're selling macarons. Why don't you spell it M-A-C-C-A-R-O-N-S? It's been bothering you so much every time you so It drives me insane. Like, the, like, McDonald's knows how to do business. They know branding. Macarons are not trademarked anywhere. They can just call them macarons. And they choose not to do it. They simply spell it M-A-C-A-R-O-N-S. And it just bothers me on such a basic level as a consumer because I expect more from McDonald's, I'll be honest. You had a pretty bad fast food experience today, didn't you? I did! Okay, so that happened at McDonald's. And I do think, eat things other than fast food, you guys. But today I just was craving... like She a, eats a lot of fast food, I guys. do eat a lot of fast food. Um, only at tournaments. Yeah, so here in Australia, Burger King is called Hungry Jack's. Weird. It's weird. I don't really get it. I, apparently, I think I was told that like Hungry Jack's used to be like this well-established Australian chain. And Burger then King BK bought, it, bought yeah. it, and so decided to go and keep the Hungry Jack's name instead of like switching to BK, even though everything looks like BK signage. It just says Hungry Jack's. They have Whoppers and stuff, right? Yeah, they have yeah. Whoppers and all that. So anyways, so I go up to the counter. I'm like, hi, can I get a Whopper with cheese? Like, meal. What size meal? Medium. Uh, do you want something to drink? Yeah, Coke. I haven't even done paying yet, and like my food is ready. Already I'm suspicious, because... I don't know. Again, maybe this isn't across the entirety of the states, but at least in California, generally speaking, fast food places make your food to order. Yeah. Like, it's not pre-made. Like, it's usually, they've learned to make it really fast, but it's not pre-made sitting under a heat lamp. I will say, in general, a lot of chain, this is a separate rant, but not my main rant. In general, a lot of chain restaurants in outside the U.S. move way slower. Well, yes, that I, is true. That is, they just don't have the same sort of like fire under their ass to get things done. Like I was, it drives the, me nuts. I was at the Dubai airport and there was a Kosi near my gate, and so I got a salad from Kosi, and it took twenty minutes for them to make. What are you doing? That, sh- that takes two tops in the U.S. and that's with like customizations and made to order. It takes me thirty minutes to get a sandwich at the media cafe. Yeah, it, there, people are slow. It's just I don't it's, know what Americans have. They do things faster yeah. on that. We know how to. We know how to gorge ourselves in efficient manners this is true this is true but anyways sure enough i sit down my french fries are soggy and lukewarm and my burger is cold because they've all just been sitting there and i was really sad because i was sick and i had been looking forward to this burger all morning and i went down there and it was terrible and i was sad my rant is also a swanson street experience (laughs) there are a lot of buskers um, on Swanson Street, which is where sort of off where we're staying, it's one of the main main arteries of Melbourne's central business district, which is their downtown. And there are a lot of buskers, and there's also a lot of homeless people. And there's I encountered one gentleman today who seemed to be sort of a combination of both, more probably on the homeless side than the busker side, because he was walking down the street. There was no organized thing, and he was singing "Hooting the Blowfish" at the top of his lungs, like screaming it really loudly. And this would have been fine. Which hootie? This comes up. Let her cry. Oh, how sad. I know. Which would have been fine. Like, okay, hootie, throwback, whatever. Weird choice, but fine. Except he was getting, like, all the words no. wrong. And it was so frustrating because if you're going to pick a song and scream at the top of your lungs, 
like get the words right. And, and he was he was enthusiastic, and he was just like you know if the sun me and you and do it just like it just like oh. it was bad. That's actually a good Hootie song. I, it's not bad. I don't hate Hootie. I don't hate Hootie. I think Hootie kind of gets shat on a little bit more than they deserve. There are certain bands that's not who true. were right for their time. No, you know what band gets shat on, and they totally deserve it. And I think that in a lot of ways they've become like the lightning rod of poop <laughs> for that. Like, generation of music. <laughs> Who's that? Dave Matthews Band. You think they're better? You, I, heard you, you saw, like, I heard you criticizing them on Twitter very yes. recently. Yes. No, but I do not. You think they don't deserve it? I think that they're incredibly talented. But I think, that, but I find them just incredibly obnoxious. So wait, so you're saying they do deserve to be a lightning rod of poop? Or no? Yeah, they okay. do deserve to be a okay. lightning rod of poop. But I feel like they took all that poop away from Hootie. In a good way or a bad way? They Probably were, in a good way if you're Hootie. You're, okay, so you're saying that David Matthews is sort of a, a poop umbrella that's protecting Hootie. I feel like Hootie gets more crap than, I don't know. than I don't think Dave that that's Matthews. True. I don't know. If people want to sound off on who they dislike more. Yeah. Feel free. I'd be curious about that. In the meantime, we should let you go. Enjoy the Australian Open, folks. Sign up for Racket Rally in the league, and we'll be back with you for some time mid-tournament for a podcast. And enjoy the tennis. Be nocturnal if need be, or not if not. And see you later, Mike. Sleep is for the week. I said it, I don't care. I just run my hands. Darker than I pray to God, you gotta help me fly away.